it is not about your stocks, bonds, index funds, mutual funds, or ETF. It is not about your investment or your portfolio. The goal of these educational sessions is not to make you richer or to make you more money. Time is the only true asset you and I have. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome back, everybody, and I'm happy to have you join me on the How's My Financial Health Doc podcast. Today is the Victoria Day long weekend in May in Toronto, and it's beautiful and sunny outside. So I'm very happy to do this podcast and uh, talk about a topic that is very dear to me because it is a topic that worries me when I speak to my colleagues. The reason why it worries me is that every time I engage in a conversation with my colleagues, whether it is doctors, dentists, nurses, I always get the same response. We would engage in a discussion about our careers, about our life, about our families, and inevitably, we will talk about you know the stresses of work uh, and the stresses of our profession and how do we get ahead financially and be secure and avoid that hamster treadmill and always working for the next paycheck. It seems like when we are in a small group or we're talking privately, we absolutely have no issues in talking about our personal financial challenges. But we seem to have this trouble and we feel quote unquote ashamed or even embarrassed to talk about personal finances when we are at conferences or when we give talks. This whole idea of talking about financial security is a taboo for almost all medical associations and even dental associations. Case in point, none of these associations that are supposed to represent us are willing to give credits to talk about financial wellness and financial securities for their own members. I don't know if you have noticed, but CME credits are only given to clinical talks and research. But when we're about to talk about finances, well, they're always non-certified. At least now they're willing to give credits to talk about physician wellness, mindfulness, stress, and burnout. I think that is a first step. But a lot of this stress is also caused by the financial challenges of our everyday life. But yet these associations refuse to give credits at conferences to talk about things that actually um, impact our own personal life as well. So coming back to what worries me. One is that in public, 
we are unwilling to talk about our financial challenges and we are all embarrassed to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. It's a taboo subject. But in private, we would lament about it. During this COVID pandemic, we can see the different financial challenges of the population. All we have to do is turn on the evening news and just listen to how many people have lost their jobs, how many restaurants are closing, how many people are not going to be reopening. And so the financial impact is humongous. That being said, the financial impact to physicians and nurses are also significant. A lot of my colleagues are working at different emergency departments where the volume has dropped by at least 50%. In the US, I get emails from my colleagues that are experiencing the same thing. My family medicine colleagues are also experiencing the same drop in income. All we have to look at are the patients who are not willing to come to the uh, clinic anymore. Uh, even if they are doing telephone or even virtual consultation, the volume has significantly dropped. And we have to think about all our colleagues that do urgent care or walk-in clinics. Those numbers have plummeted. And so for many of our colleagues, a real financial stress is a real thing during this pandemic. The sad thing is none of us wanted to talk about it prior to this. And so therefore, how could we have prevented distress? How could we have protected ourselves? Adding financial stresses to our clinical life, where it is already very stressful, is definitely an unhealthy way to go through life. Now, a lot of our colleagues work in a fee-for-service environment. And so a drop of more than 50% really, really represents a significant and real drop of 50% in income. Coming back to the second reason why I am worried is that when we talk about uh, financial literacy, the first thing that everyone wants to talk about are their investments, stocks, bonds, real estate. As healthcare professionals, we don't have a lot of time. That's the most common argument I get from people. I don't have the time. So I understand that. I mean, I'm a clinician myself. So when we don't have time, what do we think is important when we talk about finance? It seems like as a group, we think investment is the only topic we should talk about. And it's actually wrong. If we have time, we should look at financial planning and financial strategy with its whole picture, not just investment, which is a very, very small part of the financial issues that we will be addressing throughout life. Everybody's lacking time. And I've mentioned this many times in a lot of my podcasts. Time is the only true asset we have. But if we are not the one who will take care of our own finances, who will? The same way I tell my patient, 
you need to exercise. You need to eat healthier. You need to take this medication. You need to manage your diet. And inevitably, the reason that they come back to me that they can't do it is because they don't have time. And yet, as physicians, we will press them to make time for that because it is their own health. It is their own well-being. Well, we give the exact same argument as our patients do. Because if we can tell them to make time, we can tell ourselves to make time. And I understand that. Some of us really don't want to make time because really if we wanted to, we could. It is really a question of priorities. If we don't set priorities, we relinquish all our decisions to an advisor and let the advisor make all the decisions on our financial life. When you do that, you are actually giving out control. And when you give control, you lose control. And if you lose control of your financial well-being, then really, what excuses do you have at the end when you are no longer protected by the decisions that other people have made for you? Financial literacy among healthcare professionals is important. We are clinicians, we care for people. But in reality, we also have to care for ourselves for our family, for our children, for our parents. And so we don't live in a vacuum. And life will throw us all sorts of financial challenges that we must meet. This podcast is about financial literacy. And really, it's about the lack of financial literacy among all healthcare professionals. My financial advisor friends all agree. When I speak openly with them, it is inevitable that they always reveal the fact that all healthcare professionals have very little understanding of finances and personal finances and the management of money. MD Financial Management recently came out with a report called MD Physician Financial Literacy Study the state of financial literacy among Canada's physician. And it is a very interesting read. Most physicians, whether we are brand new grads, people who have been working for 15, 20 years, or even people in the late careers, we all have a very poor understanding of personal finances. This is a study done with physicians across Canada and with physicians of all ages and different practice durations. And what they show is that the mean test score for financial literacy, so a test that they apply to all these respondents. So for medical residents, it was 53%. For physicians in early years of practice, so within five years, it was 53%. For physicians in their mid-career, so 6 to 15 years of practice, the score was 54%. And for those who have more than 16 years of practice, their score was 57 And the mean score for all Canadian physicians in Canada was less than 55%. Just understand these numbers. They really do demonstrate that Physicians overall have a very poor understanding of personal finances. In this survey, 
Here is also what they learned. The lack of trust in the financial sector is an important barrier. Financially speaking, many physicians aren't where they thought they'd be by now. In fact, when you look at physicians practicing between zero to five years, 42% thought that. And physicians between six to 15 years, 35% thought that. And physicians with more experience, more than 16 years, 33% thought that. What that means is that after many years of practice, we feel less uncomfortable and we feel we're a little bit more ahead, but it still took a lot of time to get there. Something that the survey revealed that is not so much that surprising is that with respect to financial decisions, early career physicians are influenced by their peers, a trend that decreases as years of practice increases. Now think about that for a minute. If early practicing physicians are relying on more mature physicians for their personal finances, and at least one third of physicians in late career feel that they are behind, then how good is the advice given by our more older colleagues? Finally, Across the board, all respondents of this survey wish they knew more about investing. This is not a surprise to me, but what should be something revealing is that why do we only ask about investment? Financial security is not just about investment. And that, in my opinion, is absolutely wrong. Investment, it is just a small minor part of financial planning. It is not surprising that as a community, we follow that direction and we think that stocks, funds, ETFs are the only thing we need to know. To summarize what this MD financial survey have revealed, the financial priorities and concerns for residents Stress is high, trust is low. For most residents and physicians, experience comes from confidence. But how do you get confident when you are not knowledgeable and you're following directions from people who also feel they are falling behind? Tax planning becomes a bigger concern over time. I would argue that tax planning begins from the day you start practice as a staff physician and not over time because tax planning takes years to do so that we plan for retirement and planning for retirement doesn't start at the age of 50 or 55 planning for retirement starts the day you start working finally managing money is always a balancing act unfortunately most of us do not know how to balance this act. This is one of the main reasons of why I launched this podcast. Healthcare professionals have a challenging time in balancing between income and expenses. As I mentioned earlier in my previous podcast, the goal of these educational sessions is not to make you richer. 
the goal is to help you balance the act and find financial security so that you no longer have to live paycheck to paycheck and feel that you must run on that hamster treadmill. All of a sudden you will realize you have more time and time to do whatever you would like to do. Time is what good financial literacy will provide you. So what is financial literacy then? If you Google Investopedia, financial literacy is the ability to understand and effectively apply various financial skills, including personal financial management, budgeting, and investment. Financial literacy helps individuals become self-sufficient, and that's an important word, self-sufficient, so that they can achieve financial stability. And stability is also a very important word. And so the stability part of this definition is important. How do we create that buffer and protection so that we can manage through crises like the one that we currently have with the pandemic? Financial literacy is the ability to understand and properly apply financial management skills. It is applied to financial planning, managing debt, accurately calculating interest, and understanding time value of money. The primary principles of financial literacy include learning how to budget, track spending, effectively pay off debt, and properly plan for retirement. When you read textbooks on financial planning, and I have one here as an example, it's called Practicing Financial Planning for Professionals, written by Sid Mitra. And in his opening of his book, financial planning is described as a process that takes you through eight domains. And those eight domains are uh, built into a mnemonic called security, standing for financial security. And S stands for safety through risk management planning, which is the number one step. E stands for educational planning. C stands for cash management, savings, credit, and debt planning. U stands for ultimate disposition through estate planning. R stands for retirement planning. I stands for investment planning. T stands for tax planning. And Y stands for yearning for financial independence planning. As you can see, for the professionals, investment is only one of eight domains, and it is not even the number one domain to look at. The number one domain to look at is safety through risk management planning. This concept is repeated over and over and over again in all financial talks and concepts. When we look at the financial pyramid, or what I call it, the financial orders of operation, there are three to four levels. But the first level, which is the foundation of the pyramid, is protection. 
the second level is wealth accumulation and the third level is wealth distribution so let's just start with the level that is the most important the protection level included in the protection are all the risk mitigation management tools life insurance health insurance disability insurance critical illness insurance property insurance liability insurance debt reduction emergency fund and finally a will it is after that we've done all that that we move to the wealth accumulation uh, portion of the pyramid and in that portion it is separated into savings and accumulation growth and diversification and lastly speculation so in the first order in wealth accumulation it is about savings and accumulations so when we're talking about savings we're talking about savings account we're talking about RRSPs, we're talking about TFSAs, or other type of savings for retirement. We also talk about home ownership, education fund, and an emergency fund if we have not done so in the first protection uh, phase. And in this phase, when we talk about saving accounts and retirement accounts, we obviously cannot neglect um, investments things like stocks bonds and funds and index funds and mutual funds so it is really at this stage that we start thinking about that however that being said stocks and funds and bonds are not the only vehicles allowable in an rrsp or tfsas there are other type of products uh, that are more secure but give a good return that are still eligible for RRSP and TFSA and other retirement funds. The next step in the echelon for wealth accumulation portion of this pyramid, we can see that it is growth and diversification. And this is really the area when we look at investments properly. So when we look at bonds, stocks, index funds, mutual funds, and ETFs. If we want it to be a little bit more risky and having a gambler type of philosophy, we can look at speculations, at which point we'll look at real estate, we'll look at Forex, we'll look at futures, and we'll look at options. But again, these are sophisticated type of products. I mentioned real estate as in the wealth accumulation portion. In that particular echelon, real estate is about investment real estate. To invest in real estate, one must properly set the foundation and set the cement for protection and buffer and risk management. Coming back to this uh, first echelon, uh, there's a mention about debt uh, payment and so in debt payment we need to understand um, the balance between expenses and income and cash flow if our monthly cash flow is always negative 
it is almost impossible to create financial security and, and financial wealth. And if we are constantly in a negative cash flow monthly, then we'll end up in debt, having to acquire a line of credit or even a loan that we'll eventually have to pay off. Obviously, these line of credits and loans contribute to lower our overall net worth. And so to come back to a positive monthly cash flow, we have to look at our spending. And as Ken mentioned in earlier podcasts, spending is really about balancing between a want and a need. Uh, and what I also mentioned earlier, the concept of the latte factor. And the latte factor really speaks to a want and not a need. And so we have to look at our monthly expenses and see what is really absolutely necessary or what is discretionary. The second step to coming to a financial security is managing debt. And there is good debt and bad debt. And understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt is essential. This is a topic that we will review in future podcasts. So no need to worry about it for now. Just understand the concept of managing debt is important to your overall financial security. We also need to understand credit and what credit can do and how credit can harm. Credit in itself is not a bad thing. So I see credit uh, like a knife. So if I were to ask you to cut an apple with a pencil, you wouldn't be able to. You would need a knife. But by using a knife, you risk of cutting yourself or harming yourself. And so it's not to say that the knife is a bad thing. It's how you use the knife. The same goes with credit. Having a basic understanding of personal financial concepts is fundamental. Just taking the time to understand investments and stocks and bonds and how the market function is not the first step and clearly not enough. If you are going to take time to learn and understand about your own personal financial security, then I urge that you start by understanding and learning about the protection echelon of that financial pyramid that will serve you better than understanding investment and it will keep you safe for the rest of your life. There are many other basic financial concepts that need to be learned. For example, time value of money, uninterrupted compounded interest, time horizon, risk tolerance, risk capacity, uh, and asset allocation and asset location. So all these are basic concepts that one needs to understand before start investing. And even investing in a index fund or in a ETF sounds easy, but needs still to be understood. And so investing in those type of vehicles without proper understanding 
is just fraught with danger. And for those of you who have professional corporations, proper tax planning makes it even much more tax efficient. As healthcare professionals, we have a really poor understanding of basic financial principles. That needs to stop. I'm hoping that by having a little bit more financial literacy, you take control over your financial life. And once you take control of your financial life, you will realize that you will get something back in return, something that is much more valuable your time. I urge everybody to read the book, Your Money or Your Life by Vicky Robin. I have thrown out a lot of concepts here in this podcast. Many have been discussed on previous podcasts. My hope is that you continue to listen and learn so that you improve your own financial security. My hope is that you don't stop at only learning about investment stocks, bonds, funds, and ETFs. My other hope is that you starting today, no longer feel embarrassed or ashamed about talking about your own financial security as healthcare professionals. We are considered high income earners, but none of us know how to manage money properly. In addition to the MD financial survey, numerous articles have shown medical students and residents have insufficient financial training during their education. For staff, there's definitely no training and many of us make mistakes for years before we realize it. Some of us actually don't realize it, that we are making a mistakes and over time it is extremely costly. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope that I've given you all some fruit for thought. Thank you very much. And I will talk to you next time. How is my financial health doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial tax investment or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.